If you're looking for ways to prioritize your health and fitness, run more efficiently, understand food, and somehow fit it all into a fun and family-centered life, you're in the right place. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Real Life Runners podcast. We are here to talk to you today about strength training for runners. This should be a fun one. The difference between the two of us and how we enjoy strength training. Yeah, there's definitely a big difference between you and I and our approach to strength training. There's a different approach between our brains and how we approach strength training. What do you mean? Uh, You enjoy it far more (laughs) than I do. I do enjoy it. Um, So... First, let's let's just start off with why runners should engage in strength training because there's there's definitely been um, more of a push towards this lately in the running community and and you know um, encouraging runners to do more strength training. So why is this important? Well, I think one of the biggest things out there and that everyone accepts is that strengthening all of the muscles and the supportive muscles really does a great job of trying to push back injuries. That's true. So, you know, injury prevention is obviously huge when it comes to running because as runners, we like to run and we don't like to be sidelined by injuries. So if we can do things to help prevent injury, then that's definitely a a reason high on the priority list of of reasons to do something. That's a great way to to try. That's what you used to get me to start really focusing on strength was, hey, you're going to be able to run more consistently. And then the reason why I kept doing it when you strengthen the muscles, you're able to access more power. And so you literally can run faster without trying as hard. That's true. So um, there are a lot of muscles that need to be strong in order to support the body when it runs. And um, today we're going to focus on, you know, some of the most important muscles that we feel are are important to strengthen. Um, but before we get into that, let's just name a couple more reasons why strength training is so important for us as runners. Um, all right. Well, what I like to, to look at is the improved running efficiency. Okay. So there's less energy wasted on excess movement, on excess trying to keep your body upright and in the right position, which means you can actually focus on being able to go fast and go farther and have more power. Right. So um, our hips are very important to help stabilize the body and the pelvis um, while we run. And if there is a lot of excess motion, if there's weakness in our hip muscles, that does, you know, take a lot more energy away from our actual running ability. Um, Same thing with the postural muscles, like our our back and our core muscles are very important to help maintain that posture while we run. And, you know, as we fatigue, most people, you know, tend to kind of get slumped over more. And so... Oh, that's the... I I love watching runners at the end of races. I don't, actually. But you can so see every but in the last mile of a 5k or towards the back end of a long like longer races and everybody is in that like death march slump <laughs> death march slump right but if we do exercises to help train our posture then that's definitely something that we can help to improve um, especially when we start to get fatigued toward the ends of our runs or our races 
Right. And you had a, you had a fun phrase that we were covering when, uh, when we first started outlining this thing, which I, I'm going to go with, you can say it cause I'm going to, I'm going to flub it. Right. So the idea, um, behind some of the strength training that we're going to be talking about today is proximal stability for distal mobility, which just sounds fun. It does. It kind of sort of rhymes. Uh, rhymes. I don't know about that, but the idea is um, that you want to make your your trunk strong so that your limbs can do what you want them to do. So if you think about like a tree, if the tree trunk is strong, then the branches have the ability to grow out further and develop more. Um, whereas if the, the tree trunk was weak, if the, you know, the further the branches would grow out, that tree trunk would just fall over. Right. And it allows the trees to go running down the street very fast. <laughs> it does. It does. So um, another thing that strength training helps us to do as runners is that it, it helps to improve neuromuscular recruitment. Yeah, you got to cover this one because I'm not entirely positive that I've got that, that whole concept. So the idea is that with strength training, you are kind of targeting different muscle fibers than you target with just running. And when you're activating those muscle fibers and the pathway from the brain to the muscle, um, that's kind of the neuromuscular connection. Like every time you contract a muscle, your brain has to tell your muscle to contract. So every time you um, do that contraction by, you know, performing the strength training exercises that you that you do, um, you're helping to strengthen that connection between the brain and the muscle. And then the brain and the muscle and the spinal cord, that whole system that kind of works together to control the muscles, um, they start recruiting more fibers in as well um, to, so that you're not just recruiting one muscle fiber, you're recruiting that muscle fiber and a group of his friends that are nearby. Okay, so this is the idea of like when you go out for like a long, easy run, it doesn't feel that hard because you're used to using those muscles all the time. And so when you go into a strength training, then you're able to activate even more muscles. So it makes your running easier. Um, Kind of. I mean, it's basically that, you know, but by constantly sending the, the message from the brain down to the muscles, you're helping to strengthen that pathway. And you're also just helping to recruit more muscles into doing those motions. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So more muscles doing the same motion means that you get a lot more power out of trying to lift a leg, kick a leg out behind you, whatever it is that you're doing. Exactly. And that's the benefit of the increased neuromuscular recruitment is that you increase your power um, both during your run, you know, the running muscles that that you're strength training and also just those stabilizing muscles that we were talking about with, you know, the hips and the core and the, and the posture. All right. So you can sound super, super smart and say proximal stability for distal mobility and improved neuromuscular recruitment, but it all ultimately comes down to increased power? Increased power and improved running efficiency because you're decreasing um, all the excess motion around Fantastic. The so movement. I get more power and it feels easier to do it. You got it. All right. I'm on board. <laughs> All right. Cool. So what muscles are best to focus on then when we do the strength training? I know this one. Glutes. Yeah, right. I, it always makes me think of Megan Trainer. You know, it's all about that base, about that base. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> about to start singing that. Yeah. <laughs> so the glutes are um, critical for runners to focus on, and there are three glute muscles. You know, so a lot of times when people say the glutes, you just think of the big one, the gluteus maximus, which is your butt, your butt muscle. Um, that's the biggest muscle in the body. 
And the glute max is, is obviously very important for runners, but there's also the gluteus medius and also the gluteus minimus. And those are a little bit smaller muscles that are underneath the gluteus maximus and their job is mostly stability you know they're the stabilizing muscles and the gluteus maximus is more for for the power right and so you see a lot of runners especially late in races who can still keep moving themselves forward but every time they take a step their legs keep crashing towards the inside because they have the classic runner strength of strong glute max and super super weak glute min right but nowadays what we're finding is that a lot of people don't even have that strong glute max and that they're overusing their hamstrings because their glutes are underactivated. That's like one of the big catchphrases in the therapy world is, you know, underactivated glutes. People aren't activating their glutes, which there's some debate about in the in the physical therapy and, you know, uh, sports medicine world about um, if glutes can, you know, indeed be underactive. But um, it's definitely a good idea to strengthen your gluteus maximus because, like we said, it's the largest muscle in the body and it really helps with your power and your speed. And everybody wants an active butt. (laughs) (laughs) What? Okay, then. So anyway, the glute max, um, it works with the hamstrings to extend the hip. So if you do have an underactive glute max, then your hamstrings are taking more of the brunt. So that can lead to increased hamstring injury if your glute max isn't isn't doing its job. Right. And then the hamstrings are constantly tight because they're doing way more work than they're supposed to be doing. And then you get muscle imbalance between hamstrings and quads. It's Mm -hmm. this awful chain reaction that just wrecks you and something is going to get hurt along the way. Right. And then the other thing that a lot of people if the glute max isn't strong enough a lot of people experience lower back pain because those um, lower back muscles are, are working harder than they should be when it comes to trying to extend the hip and stabilize the body and all of that all right so how do we fix it we need some actual uh, exercises that are going to fix the problem right so some targeting exercises for the glute max would be um, leg lifts in a prone or quadruped position and which what that means is prone means that you're lying on your stomach quadruped means that you are on all fours so you're on your hands and your knees and then you're lifting your leg up in the air like if you were if you are on your hands and knees you're lifting the leg keep the leg straight and you lift it up toward the ceiling same thing if you're lying on your stomach You're just keeping that knee straight and lifting it up toward the ceiling. Like straight out behind you or out to the side? No, straight behind you for the glute max. All right. So two hands down, one knee down and a straight leg behind me that I'm, I'm like, I'm kicking through water. Right. That you're lifting up toward the ceiling. You're like your heel up toward the sky. Perfect. Okay. So that's, um, a good one. Uh, single leg squats are an excellent targeting, um, exercise for the glute max. Yeah. Don't start with that many. That's a tough one. Yeah. And be careful that you're doing those correctly and and keeping your knee behind your toes so that you're not putting any excess pressure on your knee. Um, I definitely recommend starting with some support, you know, holding on to something while you, when you first start to do the single leg squats, um, plank uh, position with hip extension. So that means like if you're in a plank position, again, those legs are are straight out behind you and you're just lifting your foot off the ground and putting it back down and then you alternate. Make sense? Yeah, that makes complete sense. So, I mean, you're in you're in plank position, and then again, it's like you're flutter kicking through water. 
Right. But slow and in control so that you actually are activating the glute instead of just using your hamstring to make your legs bounce up and down. Right. And you really have to be aware to keep your stomach tight and your back flat so that you're not arching your back while you're doing the motion as well. Right. But if you do it correctly and you really want to make sure that, that you're actually activating the glute, when you squeeze the glute max, it keeps you from arching your back. There you go. I like it. Um, the other thing that helps to target the glute max is a side plank. Um, and you can either, you can add, you can just hold a side plank, um, or you can also add, you know, uh, like hip abduction, which is opening and closing of the legs on top of that, that would target it even more. And, um, a lot of this information kind of comes from this one study that was done in 2011, um, where they measured the maximum voluntary uh, contraction of the muscles while performing different exercises. So this is all research-based, not just anecdotal. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, we got uh, we got a couple more big ones in here. I think the reverse lunge is a huge one uh, that that almost anybody could could benefit from. Um, especially because when you do the reverse lunge, you're far less likely to mess up your knee instead of stepping forward, step backwards. And that knee stays behind your toes and you don't have issues with, you know, the front of your knee getting all messed up. Right. Yeah. I like the the reverse lunge a lot better than the forward lunge just for that purpose alone. Okay. So now we're on to the glute medius and minimus. These are the stabilizing muscles that are underneath the glute max. Uh, I know I have had issues with weakness in this area. There's a lot of people that have issues with this because they're a huge stabilizing muscle. They're the muscles that help support the lower back. They help support a lot of different things. So when you take a step, your, your hip doesn't fall down to the other side. Uh, your pelvis stays nice and stable. I was actually teaching a physics lesson and one of the kids said, um, Um, It was about gravity. And he said, is gravity why it's so hard to stand on one foot? And I looked at him and he said, actually, it's because your glute medius and minimus are too weak. (laughs) He probably looked at you with a very confused look on his face. The whole class looked at me like, (laughs) yeah, you could probably stand on one foot forever, couldn't you, Mr. Brown? I'm like, yeah, no, no, my glute med and minimus are not as strong as they need to be. (laughs) Yeah, there's actually been a lot of research over the last 10 10 years, 10 to 15 years, um, about the importance of these muscles, not just with runners, but also with just athletes in general, especially with female athletes, because, um, if these muscles are weak, they lead to that increased hip adduction. Adduction is, means that the, the leg is moving inwards toward the other leg. And they've done a lot of research on soccer players and basketball players and, um, you know, athletes in general and people that have weakness in these muscles actually have an increased risk of knee pain, um, ACL tears. There's a lot of research that that's been done about the importance of the, you know, to have strong glute med and men to help stabilize those hips and avoid that excess motion at the knees, um, to help both prevent injury and just prevent pain in general and, um, help the body to move more efficiently. All right, so we need some big exercises for this. Um, I One of my favorite ones that you've had me do is literally just standing on one foot, okay? Mm-hmm. When you start with this, start standing on one foot on a nice stable surface, and then you move it to something a little bit less stable like carpet, mm-hmm. and then you can eventually move it to something that is far less stable like putting a pillow underneath your foot. Right, and... Um- a good trick to to do if you are doing the single leg balance is to watch yourself in the mirror and kind of put your hands on, on either side of your hip and make sure that your hip is staying level when you are performing the single leg balance. 
Okay. And another good one, and this one's nice because it knocks out a couple muscles at the same time, is uh, the side plank because it's going to hit glute max, glute me, glute min, side plank with or without the hip abduction, which is... Hip, hip abduction is just moving the leg out to the side and back in. Perfect. Right. And the the study that we reference, and you can find a, a link to that study in the show notes, um, there's going to... It's that study in 2011, we were talking about that they measured, you know, the maximum voluntary contraction of that muscle during certain exercises. And they found that the side plank was the most effective exercise to target um, the glute medius. Um, and I think in minimus, it might just have the medius. I'd have to go double check that one again, but it was absolutely the most effective out of all of the exercises. Right. But it's not as fun as the fire hydrant exercise <laughs> where you actually get to be on hands and knees and exactly as it sounds, look like a dog next to the fire hydrant. That's, that's just a great way to access the, uh, the glute mead. I yes. want to say on that one. Yeah, you're good. It's actually both, but it does target the glute mead. So mm-hmm. Um, hopefully you guys go, go already got the visual for that. And <laughs> if you, if you need any, um, further explanation, you can let us know. Um, another two, two other exercises that help to target the glute med are the clamshell exercise and sideline hip abduction. So for both of these exercises, you're lying on your side, um, for the clamshell, your hips and knees are bent. You keep your feet together and you basically open and close just your knees so that you're actually looking like a clamshell when, when you're performing the ex- exercise. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay. And then the sideline hip abduction, again, you're lying on your side. And the important thing with this one is to keep your hips stacked on top of each other so that your hips aren't rolling back or rolling forward. You really want to keep those hips stacked. And then you just lift the top leg. You lift it up toward the ceiling and then back down. Um, and make sure you're keeping a straight line from your hips all the way down to your feet. Um, you can even slightly extend the hip a little bit, but you don't want to be able to really see your toes while you're doing it. If your toes are out in front where you can see them, that means there's like a bend in your hip, then you're activating more of the hip flexors and not really the hip abductors. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay. I want to make sure I'm not getting too technical here. People can kind of You're getting remarkably technical for a podcast, but uh, I think think we've got the visual on this one. Okay. Lay on your side, lift your leg. I think we've got it. Okay, but just make sure you're lined up correctly. Lay on your side like a a straight line and lift your leg. (laughs) All right. Good. And that's why we keep them around. (laughs) Okay. So, um, let's move on to the hamstrings. Hamstrings. All right. So we talked earlier about making sure that your glute max was strong enough so you didn't have to overly access your hamstrings, but there is still issues of making sure your hamstrings are strong enough. Absolutely. And as distance runners, the hamstrings are very important, um, because they help to extend the hip and flex the knee and, and lead to that more, um, fluid stride. Yeah, no, that's a good way of looking at it. Otherwise, you get a lot of people that that shuffle and don't have the leg lift up behind them. Right. Like you watch, if you ever look at like Olympic races, watch all the distance runners, they're almost kicking themselves in the butt. Mm -hmm. And even over the long distance of a marathon, the leg lift behind them is phenomenal. Right. And then you go to a local 5K and a, a lot of the back of the packers are just shuffling along activate that hamstring, get the leg up and you move much faster. Right. Um, you know, it's funny. I was, I think I was listening to another podcast or I forget exactly where I heard this, but, um, someone pointed out something that I thought was very interesting. When you look at, um, like a distance runner versus a sprinter, right? The bodies of a sprinter and the bodies of a distance runner, you know, on the elite levels, they look very different. Um, and when you look at the runners, you can kind of see which muscles are most important to activate and to really strengthen well, 
um, in order to perform that activity, right? They're both running, but they're very different types of running. Yeah. And I mean, these people have, have nothing but coaches around them to make sure that they have strengthened the exact muscles that they need to recruit. And for distance runners, you don't want any extra bulk on there at all. So right. the muscles that you need need to be strong. Right. But if, if you look at a distance runner, um, it's the hamstrings, right? You, you, they have really strong hamstrings. Yeah. Super strong hamstrings. Right. But look at a sprinter. And what's the big thing that you see? You see a shelf, right? Yes. Their butt is a shelf because yes. their glute max is so big and so powerful because that, that glute max is strong and, and the power muscle. Yeah, because it gives the explosive power exactly. off, especially at a start. I mean, you need, that, you need that power behind you. Right. So the hamstrings for distance runners are very important. So some, um, some ways to strengthen these, uh, one would just be like a cable or a, a band pull where you put a band around your ankle and you just um, pull the legs straight back and then you could also bend the knee with that um romanian deadlifts i have no idea what that means well that's just the, the it's like a, it's a deadlift it's people people call them just deadlifts but the romanian deadlifts it's where you have a, a straightened knee not a lock knee uh, but and then you bend forward at your waist and then stand back up and you should really feel it in the back of your hamstrings yeah it's it's bending over and picking up something off the floor um well, you're trying to activate only your hamstrings and not use your back at all. Exactly. So when you first try and start getting into deadlifts, do this with absolutely no weight. Right, because you don't want to hurt your back. Um, the key is to keep your back flat during this exercise and not round your back at all. Right. If you uh, you activate your core, you keep your back flat, and just practice the motion, and I'm pretty sure that goes back to the whole recruitment pro process of making sure that you're activating the right muscles as you try and do a deadlift. Yeah. Um, another one that I've been seeing a lot in the literature is called the Nordic curl, which is a nice fun one. So basically to perform this exercise, you're kneeling down and um, someone is behind you holding on to your ankles and you basically lean your body forward as slowly and as controlled as possible. And that's really your hamstrings. It's an eccentric strengthening of the hamstring muscles, which is really how you know a lot of the muscles um, work in running to help to, you know, strength or to control the motion of running is eccentrically. This sounds like a fun one to practice later today. Right. I think we should try it and see how far you can. So you basically see how, how far down you can get before you just fail and fall forward onto your, onto your nose, onto your stomach. Well, put your hands out in front of you. Don't fall on your nose. <laughs> okay, fine. All right. What else we got? <laughs> um, okay. So, so I think that kind of covers the hamstrings. Um, Hip flexors are important in running because they help to drive the knee up and forward. But honestly, these are usually active enough. And um, when hip flexors are overactive, it, actually, it can actually lead to tightness and an imbalance between the front and the back. All right. So wait, what, what balance is the hip flexors? Is that glute? No, the ham well, the hamstrings and the glutes. Ah, yeah. Hip flexors are one of the like running muscles that I'm most proud of. Like I love right. seeing those guys like as my mileage gets up, as I start working on strengthening, then I can see those ones develop. Right. And then I get then I get hurt because I forgot to like make sure that I was perfectly strengthening the, the backside to balance everything out. Exactly. Ah, so, so so my pride was totally my downfall on this one. <laughs> pride is usually downfall. <laughs> So yeah, so um, I mean, if you wanted, if you know, if you have like an injury or something like that, then then it's important to strengthen the hip flexors. But overall, I don't really see too much of a, a need to 
just really focus on hip flexors. If you do want to strengthen them, you could again do the band pulls where you have a you know something around your ankle and you're just pulling your hip forward, and you can also do some high knees to help with that. Perfect. All right, so we're on to calves. Calves, you've got two major different muscles inside the calf. You have the gastrocnemius, which is the big ball guy up at the top, and you have the soleus, which wraps like essentially around your whole calf underneath it. I think I've got that right? Um, I mean, it doesn't wrap around the front, but it's it's a much, yeah, it's underneath the gastroc. Is the soleus actually attached to the sides of the tibia? Yes. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you have a really tight soleus, that's going to cause shin problems? Um, right. So, you know, people that have shin splints, a lot of times it, it does, um, stem from weakness and tightness in the, both the gastroc and the soleus, but mostly the soleus. Um, the soleus is very important for runners. It's actually called the endurance muscle. That's one of its nicknames. And it, cause, because it has the highest concentration of type one muscle fibers in the whole body. That's fantastic. Do you know what that means? Yes. Yes. Those are the muscle fibers that fire off when you're not moving quite as fast as you could. They're, they're your slow... Slow twitch. Slow twitch. That's the term I'm looking for. Yes. They're your slow twitch. And as a bonus, and I know it's our strengthening one, but as a bonus, um, endurance runners need to know the proper way to stretch the gastroc versus the, the soleus. And what's the difference? Okay. So you see everybody, all the runners... You know, at, they find a curb and they put their foot up on the curb and they're stretching it. But you got to make sure that you stretch with your foot up on the curb, with your knee straight, and with your knee bent, so that you get the two different muscles inside of the calf. Exactly. Um, now, there's one exercise for the calf that I think pretty much is the best um, calf strengthening exercise. Oh, it's by far. Yeah, and that is eccentric um, calf raises. So. There's two phases of muscle contraction, concentric, which is the shortening, and eccentric, which is the lengthening. So it's a controlled lengthening of the calf muscle. So explain to us how to do this one, Kev. All right. So this one seems like it should not be that hard when you first were like, hey, you should do these. So you go onto your toes and you try and pop yourself up quickly up onto your toes. With both legs. With both legs. And then you very slowly lower yourself back down to standing still. Right. So it takes like a second to go up and like four to five seconds to go down. Right. Try to get to four or five. And a lot of, I mean, when I first started doing this thing, it was like, oh yeah, and two seconds, two seconds down. (laughs) It's it's so hard because you're trying to strengthen yourself while stretching out the muscle, right? Is that it? Um, It's it. Kind of, yeah. It's a controlled lengthening of the muscle. Yeah, Yeah. which is way harder than it sounds. Controlled lengthening. I've got it. And then you try and slowly lower yourself down from being up on your toes. It's rough. Yeah. So the two ways that you can progress that exercise would be to go up with two legs and then take lift one leg and then just go down with just the one leg. Um, And then the second way would be to do it off of a step. Like you put the ball of your foot on a step. Go up with two Lift one leg and go down with one. And again, it's one second up and four seconds down. And then if you really want to step it up to another level, uh, hold a small child and try your eccentric calf raises. <laughs> there you go. I like, I like the, the connection to the you know, parenting. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Your children can, use, can act as uh, resistance and weights for you. Perfect. Okay, so the last group of muscles we're going to talk about are the core muscles. 
All right. So when we're talking core, this is not just get on the ground and start cranking out as many sit-ups as you possibly can, which is fantastic because no one likes laying on the floor and doing sit-ups. Why is the core so important for us as runners? Well, the core is super important because it maintains our posture. So you want to be upright because that allows your leg muscles to move correctly. It allows you to breathe properly. Everything about standing upright makes running easier and, and better and stronger and more fluid. Yes, absolutely. So um, some of the best exercises for the core that we recommend are planks and plank variations. So basically, everybody probably knows what a plank is, especially if you're listening to this podcast. And um, variations that you can do off of the plank are plank leg lifts. So again, that's in a plank position, you're just going to lift the leg um, up and like the toe off the ground and then back down. Um, And that also is going to help to get your glute med and max in there too. That's a good one. Um, you've also got, uh, side planks. Side planks are great because like we said earlier, they're activating all sorts of different glutes. Um, they're really going to help the stability of your pelvis and your hips as you run. Cause you don't want your hips moving all over the place as you're trying to run. Perfect. Okay. So now we'd like to apply this to our real life because we are real life runners. So how does this, um, topic kind of apply to the rest of our life? All right. So the big one is we all need a support system around us. Just like when we're running, one muscle does all of the work and eventually that muscle is just going to burn out. You're going to get an injury. It's overuse. It's too much. You need the supporting muscles around it to help stabilize it and let it be at its best. Right. And that is the same with life, right? Hey, hey there we go. Um, I mean, we can't do it alone. We need a support system. You know, people, it takes a village, right? Everybody's heard that saying before. Um, and if we try to do everything ourselves, we are going to burn out. Like, especially as parents, like I feel like people, um, nowadays kind of use busyness as like a badge of honor. Yes. Look at these 800 different things that I got accomplished all by myself today. And it's like, well, right. couldn't you have done a lot more if you just recruited some people around right, you to delegate, help you out? Right. Delegating yes. and, and, you know, accepting help when people offer to help. I mean, if you have good people in your life, they're going to offer to help. And I, I know I have a major problem with this is accepting help and asking for help. Um, yeah, me too. I like doing things on my own. Even when I know that people around me are going to do a fantastic job, I like being able to get it done. And it's a slow process of accepting help and accepting that a lot more is going to get done if a lot more people are involved in doing the thing. Absolutely. Um, and so I know that it's definitely something I'm working on in my life because um, I know that I'm, we've got great people in our life and we are so blessed and we need people. We need family, friends, schools, teachers, neighbors, like all these people. We need these people in our lives to, to, um, make our lives better and enrich our lives and also make life a little easier. And just more interesting, have some people around you that have the same values as you surround yourself with good people, surround yourself with strong people and everybody rises up. Ooh, I like that. It's very true though. Um, you know, when you have that kind of support system, they, they help to keep you strong. Like, cause you know, there's going to be those times that we're kind of breaking down. And if you have someone there, that's, that's going to just help to prop you back up or at least, help to hold you a little bit, it, it makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference. All right, so that's that's the support system. Also, we need balance in our lives. You can't just focus on one area of your life, throw everything into that, especially if that one thing is, is running, as, as I have done in various times in, in, in my life, because what if something goes wrong in that area? 
then your whole life gets out of whack. Right. You know, if if you spend all of your time and energy and effort focusing on running and suddenly you got a knee issue, it's really going to put a damper on your day. Or a back or, issue. Or a back issue. Yes, I know. I've been, I, I, am, I hurt myself back in July and have not really been able to run consistently up until like a week ago or so. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is painful on everyone around me because mm-hmm. I, I'm out of whack. I've got a huge part of my life that is just not working properly. And so then the rest of my life, I, I, I just become a little more angry. I think maybe perhaps is the best way to put it that. Uh, you're saying it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's true though. Like, cause you know, running is part of your kind of stress and anxiety release. And when you don't have that, then you kind of are a little bit more testy and short tempered with, you know, us around the house. That's for sure. Right. So just from the running perspective, you need to focus on, on running, but you also need to focus on strengthening and balance and stretching, mobility work, foam rolling, your recovery days, your hard days. Everything needs to be in balance. Right. And that's, again, the same with life. So um, we can't neglect other areas just to focus on that one because eventually that's going to catch up to us. Um, if we don't have that balance, there's going to be breakdown in one area or multiple areas. Like it's just It's just bound to happen. It's just a matter of when. Right. And I mean, this happens if you focus on running. It happens if you spend too much time focused on business. If if all of your time and effort is focused on work, then there's going to be other areas of your life that are falling a little bit behind. You've got to make sure that you are, are well-rounded as a person, just as you need to be well-rounded as, as a runner. Right. But I mean... We also have to, as, as important as it is to try to find balance, I think that it's also important to know that there are seasons in our life where, you know, there's going to be times where family is the most important thing, especially, you know, when you have small children, like you're just not going to probably be as productive in business. And if you are more productive in business, then you're probably sacrificing time with your family. And I think that that's important to realize is that we can't have a perfect balance and we, we have to do the best we can, um, for our own sanity and our own happiness, but there are seasons of life. And, you know, if, if right now you find yourself as a mom or a dad of small children, then I mean, in my opinion, your children should be your priority. And if that means that your career or, you know, your business kind of gets put a little bit on the back burner, then so be it. I mean, that all makes just perfect sense. Focus on, Focus on the love around you. That's oh, that's never going to be a bad choice is to focus on the love in your life. And if that's an extra focus on your family and a little pullback from a few other areas, you know, you've got time in your life to, to spread to other places at other times. I think the key is just to really just keep trying and don't beat yourself up about it. You know, just do your best to take care of your family and yourself and your kids and, you know, just keep keep doing your best. And do some side planks. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The side <laughs> planks. All right. So if um, you guys would like a little guide to um, strength exercises for runners, we have a freebie. We have a download. If you go to rlrstrength.com, that's RLR stands for Real Life Runners. So it's rlrstrength.com. You can get our free download for six of the exercises that we recommend um, for runners. And I think I think we've covered pretty much all of them within this program because they are some of the most important exercises we've got for you. Right. There's a couple stretches on the download that we didn't really talk about because we didn't really get into stretching today. So head on over to that website and, uh, you know, all you have to do is put in your email address and it'll get sent right to you. 
All right, so thanks for joining us today. Hope you gained something from this. Uh, Hope you found this useful and helpful, and we will talk to you later. Make sure you're subscribed.